As you're seated, would you open your Bibles with me back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We will read together in just a few moments 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll have other scriptures projected on the screen behind me, but if you would have a Bible open or an on scrolled over there to 2 Timothy 4, that will serve you well here in just a few moments. Hope that you've had a good day today. and Appreciate so much you being here this evening. You're an encouragement to me, and I know you're an encouragement to those around you this evening. You have stumbled in 2023, and so have I. That, that may not be where initially we think about really wrapping up our entire congregational theme for 2023. Throughout the year, in a wide variety of ways, we have looked at this great idea, this great challenge to finish what was started. We are putting a bow on that this evening. Lord willing, next Sunday morning, Roger is going to be introducing our focal point for 2024 on Sunday morning. We hope that you're here with us. We're very excited about many of the plans that have already been made. And as we think about putting a bow on this great idea, the idea of beginning with stumbling, maybe not the most optimistic note on which to begin, but James told us 2,000 years ago that we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. And as you sit here, you're the very end of another God-given year, and you look back, maybe there are, are specific moments, specific instances and interactions where you can relate to that idea. If you can, I hope that you will pay attention right along with me to the last chapter of Paul's last letter, because in so many ways it helps us get up when we've stumbled. It helps us reorient ourselves if we've gotten turned around and, and aren't sure which way to run. And it helps us to find the fuel that we need to run toward the finish line for the rest of our days. Would you read with me 2 Timothy chapter 4 where Paul writes to young Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. But all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. So concludes the last preserved letter of the Apostle Paul. We all stumble in many ways. Would you notice with me there in 2 Timothy chapter 4 a contrast in stumbling? One is named and preserved as a warning. A real-life example. This man, four or five years earlier, was described in more than one of Paul's letters as a fellow worker. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, toward the end in his very personal closing remarks, Paul wrote, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. In fact, Paul from prison sent two letters back to Colossae. The letter of the Colossians and the very personal letter to a man named Philemon. And in the conclusion of that letter, he, he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you as so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my 
fellow workers. Now four or five years later, Demas has stumbled. He's in danger of not finishing what was started. He's in danger of losing everything. And, and Paul tells us exactly why in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10. This is how serious that is. If, if you were with us last Sunday evening in 2 Timothy 3, we heard all about the seriousness of having a love problem. We heard Paul five different times in just a few lines of that letter talk about love. When love is misguided, it can cost us everything. And, and that's what is on the line with Demas. Demas in love with this, notice how it's described, with this present world. A fellow worker mentioned in more than one New Testament letter now has deserted the Apostle Paul. We all stumble in many ways. Demas isn't the only stumbler mentioned in 2 Timothy 4. There's also Mark. But not mentioned as an example of warning. No, Mark is an example of hope and grace. About 20 years earlier, we are introduced to this man first through his mother, who lived in Jerusalem. His mother lived in a house where disciples often gathered together to pray. When Peter was miraculously let out of prison, he knew where to find disciples. He knew that disciples regularly gathered in the house of a woman named Mary, who had a son named John, also named Mark. In verse 25 of Acts chapter 12, we read about this connection with Barnabas and Saul and Mark. Barnabas and Saul have been away sharing updates on the progress of the gospel. They come back to Jerusalem and, and they bring with them John, whose other name was Mark. Mark goes with them to the, the great city of Antioch and they, they spend a number of years there in Antioch. The church is growing and, and on one occasion in Acts chapter 13 while saints are worshiping the Lord together in Antioch and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. We know it as that first missionary journey into Gentile territory. After praying and fasting, those saints in Antioch laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul. They sent them off. They, they were sent by the Holy Spirit. And Luke begins to describe where all they went. But I want you to notice who was with them at the end of verse 5. John. John Mark is, is there to assist them. 
But somewhere along the way, in Acts 13 and verse 13, we read about some opposition growing to carrying this message of a crucified Savior and, and coming judge, experiencing some, some pushback. And, and we don't know all that we would like to know. All that we do know is about halfway through that journey, John leaves. And he goes back to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 15, sometime later, Barnabas and Saul are prepared to go on a second missionary journey. Paul brings it up to, to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and, and see how they are. And, and Barnabas wants to take with them John called Mark. Paul doesn't think that's a good idea. In fact, he feels strongly that it's not a good idea. He, he thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Could I suggest to you, if we, if we had the opportunity to ask Paul, he would tell us, I expected more of John Mark. I, I, I think he stumbled during that first missionary journey. And as we go even deeper into Gentile territory, we're going to need faithful runners. We're going to need dependable people to carry this baton of faith as far as they, they, they can. Barnabas feels strongly. Paul feels strongly. And, and they both feel so strongly in opposite directions that there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. At least in Paul's eyes, Mark had stumbled. But about 20 years later, I want you to hear again how he describes. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark. Timothy, when you come, bring Mark with you. He is, is very useful to me. For ministry. We all stumble in many ways. What sort of stumbler have I been in 2023? The sword perhaps who continues to stumble because I have a love problem? Or, or the sort of person who stumbles and needs others to pick me up and give me another chance and show me grace. But the sort of stumbler that grows and heals and becomes very useful in the service of the King. We all stumble. What sort of stumbler am I? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we continue to see very 
real, three very human situations. Paul had a strong enemy. His name was Alexander, and he is described in verses 14 and 15 as, as a coppersmith. Paul wants Timothy to know exactly who he's talking about. Because this strong enemy did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, Timothy, for he strongly opposed our message. Paul had a strong enemy, but I, I want you to notice right along with me that he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Like his Savior before him, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, Peter describes, this is what we have been called to because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. This is where Paul's course has led. But he doesn't have to pave this trail on his own. His Savior went before him. The, the Savior who committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Paul had a strong enemy. And he said, the Lord will deal with him. Very human situation number two. Paul had some friends who, who weren't as strong as they could have been. We hear in, in 2 Timothy 4 verse 16 of an occasion where Paul was taken out of his Roman prison cell. And brought before presumably some Roman authority who holds... The power of Paul's future, perhaps even his very life, in his hands. And when Paul had the opportunity to give his defense, no one came to stand by me. There was an opportunity there and all deserted me. But I want you to notice the difference between the way he describes those, those people and Alexander the coppersmith. How graceful he is in the face of human weakness. The Lord will deal with Alexander. And I have some friends who weren't as strong as they could have been when I really could have used them, but... My Lord knows what that's like. He taught me to pray. May it not be charged against them. In fact, Peter looks back on that moment as well. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By, by his wounds you have been healed for 
just like James told us, that we all stumble in many ways. We all know what it is to stray like sheep. But there is a shepherd and overseer of our souls who makes all the difference. Paul had a strong enemy. And Paul had some friends who weren't as strong as they could have been. But Paul had a Savior stronger than any hurdle, any obstacle that he could possibly encounter. At my first defense, no one stood with me. All deserted me. But, verse 17, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that Through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So, I was rescued. I'm not the first one to be put in a situation like this. Perhaps in the back of his mind, he has Daniel. 600 years before. Daniel was brought safely through the lion's den, and it was as if I was surrounded by lions, but the Lord rescued me from the lion's mouth. I I have a strong enemy, and I had some friends who weren't as strong as they could have been, but my Savior is stronger than any hurdle or any obstacle that I could possibly encounter. And I know, Timothy, and I want you to know, The Lord will rescue me. This is not the way men on death row with minds set on this present world. This is not how they talk. But because of this strong Savior, he writes to Timothy and wants Timothy to believe the Lord will rescue me. From every evil deed, the Lord will bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Whatever hurdle, whatever obstacle is in front of me, Timothy, I know, and I want you to know, I am never, ever really alone. And Timothy, you are never, ever Really alone. Verse 1. I charge you. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom. Do you hear that language? In the presence of. No matter what the Roman Empire did to him, Paul could see past the prison walls. No matter what human beings may do to you, 
your Savior is stronger than any obstacle, any hurdle that you could possibly encounter. You are never, ever really alone. And I feel very confident using that pronoun, you and me, because here is the connection between a first century Roman prison cell and where we sit in the 21st century. We don't share the same geography. We don't share the same language. We, we are not enduring at this point in time in this part of the world the, the same obstacles. But this is the connection. Paul highlights it for us. It's, it's the message. The message is the connection between a first century Roman prison and where you and I sit this evening. Listen to him in verse 17. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me, the message. Timothy, that's what matters. More than the time that I have on this earth, What matters most of all is the message. That it be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles hear it. That, that's why he tells Timothy in verse 1. Timothy, I, I don't know how much longer I have and, and I very well may not be able to get out of this prison cell. And so I'm, I'm charging you. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Because whomever you are, whenever you live, whatever you face, whatever you endure. This is the universal human experience on full display in Paul's last recorded letter he says in verse 6 the time of my departure has come I, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come what a powerful word so much more than the time of my death, the time of my execution. Whatever Rome does to him, it is just a departure. A departure from where? We, we heard it in verse 8. This present world. When we depart, we depart from somewhere. Where was Paul depart, departing from? This present world. When we have a departure, we are not only departing from somewhere, we are departing to somewhere. Where was Paul departing to? We heard it in verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into... His heavenly kingdom. 
And for 2,000 years, God has preserved this intimate, emotional chapter to teach us so many lessons. I'll end with this one. The fight you fight and the race you run and the faith you live by the faith you build your life upon will determine your experience of henceforth. He, he uses that word twice in this last chapter. It's not a word that you and I use very often. All that it really means is from, from this time on. Henceforth. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. If Timothy got that, he was ready to continue carrying this baton of faith. If Timothy could successfully help faithful men and women in Ephesus understand that, he would have fulfilled his ministry. The fight you fight, the race you run, and the faith you live by will determine your experience of henceforth. I cannot fight in my own strength, my own battles, ignoring the will of my master. I I cannot run in whatever direction I want to run. I, I cannot build my life with whatever materials and foundations I choose. I, I have a little bit of freedom and a little bit of time to do that. But making those foolish choices will determine my experience of henceforth and it will not be pleasant but if I will allow God to tell me what matters most and if I will fight as a faithful soldier in his army and if I will run the race that he sets before me I can finish what was started And I can be ushered into the heavenly kingdom of the Lord who deserves glory forever and evermore. What a story. From where we started a month ago in Acts chapter 8, this young man watching as a disciple of Jesus is executed. Watching the coats of the men who are executing him, approving of his execution and being so fueled by that that he was determined to ravage the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women and and committing them to prison. What a story, what a transformation to now from this prison writing, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. We all stumble. In many ways. 
And it may be that you have seriously stumbled at some point this year and very few, if any, of the people in this room even know about it. What better way to draw this whole focal point for the year to a close than by spending time in, in prayer for brothers and sisters in Christ? Don't you get the sense from 2 Timothy 4, Paul cared deeply about people. And sometimes we stumble in caring the way that we ought to. We would love to be of help and encouragement to you this evening. If you realize that you've never started running this race, never started fighting this fight, never seriously built your own life, maybe you've heard about it for a long time, the, the faith that you ought to have, but you haven't made it your own. What better way to spend the next few minutes even of this evening than by burying you with Jesus in water and baptism for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can be raised to walk in newness of life on your way to finishing what was started. If we can be of any help to you in any way this evening, would you let us know how we can help by coming to the front while we stand and sing together?